We're going to be uh, uh, speaking about uh, a couple different uh, chapters in the Bible this morning from the book of Luke and the book of Matthew. If you guys want to follow along in your Bibles, you can. If not, it'll be up on the screen here. And if anybody doesn't have a Bible, uh, we've got some nice Bibles in the back that you guys can use for this service. And if you don't have a Bible at home to continue your, uh, your Bible studies, you're welcome to take those home. Those are a gift uh, from Polaris. <clears throat> and over the past couple of weeks, Alex has been talking about the Sermon on the Mount, excluding the July 4th weekend and, and Paul's sermon last week. And uh, he has expounded on a lot of the different facets that Jesus has laid out for us in that particular sermon. Uh, Alex, as always, did a great job uh, preaching uh, about the Sermon on the Mount and is to not let that go to waste. Uh, and, and by the wayside, we really need to pay attention as to how Jesus wraps this whole thing up. It's in the final verses that he paints a very vivid picture of how we should act and what the consequences are for us if we do not act properly. And Jesus is bluntly trying to tell us uh, that the particulars of the Sermon on the Mount are not just uh, little uh, tidbits or possible suggestions as to how we are to live, but they are things that are required of us. Now, in our lives, we can, we can walk the walk and, and we can talk the talk and, and we can uh, preach about holiness and righteousness we can build ministries, uh, spreading God's word, and calling people to holiness. Our youth groups and our churches can unite all for a common cause, and I'm sure that we can build a pretty good name for ourselves in the process. Yet without our personal action, and without us walking the walk in our day-to-day -day lives, it's, it's all worthless. I myself, I can come up here and preach. I can teach SMT classes, attend the elders' meetings. But without the gospel of Jesus Christ as my foundation, I too will be swiftly swept away. Now before we get into today's biblical text, um, I had to do a lot of research for this. I was telling a couple guys in the lobby, in my, in my memory, it's the first time I've been given a topic to preach on. Typically it's, hey, can you preach on Sunday, give me the date, you know, whatever you feel good about, speak the word. So it's the first time and Alex gave me this topic. So I had to do a lot of research and I learned a lot myself on this. And, I came across something that uh, actually uh, gave me a new perspective uh, when I read the Bible, and, and maybe it'll give you guys a new perspective as well. There are two obvious facts uh, about the Bible that we must assume about every Bible verse that we read. The first is that he is king. Amen? Amen. That's the first truth. He's the absolute ruler of the universe. He orders all its affairs. Everything that happens within the universe is controlled by God. So our first assumption that we must make is that God is sovereign. The second assumption is that God speaks. He speaks to us. He speaks words that express his perfect will in order that it be done. So keeping that in mind, we're going to take a look at the first passage. And this is from the book of Matthew. should be up on the screen here for you. There we go. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Give you a chance to catch up in your Bible if you guys want to follow along. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 tells us this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, 
with a great crash. Now, Jesus is obviously speaking in parables here. He's not talking about houses. We all know that. He's talking about us. He's talking about his people. Question is, which people is he talking to? Who is he speaking to? He's not talking to the non-believers in this scripture. He's not talking to the casual Christians. So again, who is he speaking to? He's talking to those who will listen to his words. Not only hear, but listen to his words. Those who like listening to his word and those who position themselves to listen to his word. Perhaps positioning themselves in comfy, blue theater seats, drinking coffee, eating donuts. Guess what? He's talking to us. He's talking to you. This is where the scripture scripture is pointing to. We are the ones in danger of being swept away. The ones who must not only hear what the word says, but also act upon those words. We are the ones who are to take the grace that he has given to us and do what it says. Now we're going to take a look at the second passage. This passage is from the book of Luke, chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. I don't need near as much water as you, Paul. This uh, scripture is very similar to, to Matthew, except in my opinion, as I read this, it's, uh, it's stronger to me. It has more of an impact. Luke 6, 46 through 49 tells us this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Now Jesus begins this parable uh, with a question of authority and a question of consistency. Jesus asks, why do you call me Lord, and then you don't do what I say? Jesus knew what was on the hearts of those listening, and he asserted his right and authority over their lives. Well, God also sees into our hearts and our minds today. He knows our motives, our values, and our priorities. And he hits us with the same question. He says, why do you call me Lord, and you don't do what I say? And I wish I had the answer to that question. In my life, God throws up multiple signs and warnings and little bits of information. He throws roadblocks right in front of me. And sometimes I just blow right through them. I don't have the answer. So as he hits me with that question, I've got some soul searching to do and find out if I truly do call him Lord, why is it that I don't do what he says? Now Matthew's account of the parable ends with the response of the people. This will not be on the screen. It's a very short, short verse here. Matthew 7, 28 through 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And the key word in this passage is authority. We are to believe and obey Jesus, not only because he tells us to, but because his word is true and comes with integrity. I mean, think about it. God did not give Moses the ten suggestions, correct? He gave Moses the Ten Commandments. There's a reason that word is used. In all that God commands, he bids that we become like him. 
That's what he wants. We need to recognize that God's words, his commands, his instructions, they direct and guide our path. Now, here's one for you. Honesty. This is what we're going to look at. Question for you all. How many of us here take caution signs seriously? One? All right. I'm going to go over your house. That's a safe place to be. Think about all these caution signs that are in our lives. We've got falling rocks driving down a freeway, right? High fog area. Deer crossing. Any hunters in my audience today? Show of hands. Any deer hunters? <laughs> Thank you, Mike. We got one. Christine, you can vouch for this. Where are you? She's not, there she is back there. If I see a deer crossing sign on a freeway or on a road, am I scared that a deer is going to run out in front of my car? No, it makes it more dangerous for me. When I see that sign, I'm looking in the field on the side of the freeway to see if I can see deer and on the side of the road. So that actually doesn't help me at all. Uh, do not use a, use a pry bar. Yeah, that's a good one. Do not spray in eyes. <laughs> that's funny in itself. Caution may cause cancer. Not so funny, but do we heed the warnings uh, that are put on things for us? We ignore these warning signs on our freeways, on our tools, on our packages. Driving too fast in the fog, that can be fatal. Not using a tool property, properly can, can cause serious injury. And the last time I checked, the use of tobacco products does not extend our lifespan. We just tend to blow by those. We can see the warning signs. We can read them. We can discuss them. But that's not enough. We have to act on them. To ignore them is foolish. Agreed? Almost as foolish as building a house on the wrong foundation. Right now, we are all building our foundations in the choices that we make every day. In our lives, in our families, and in our careers. And we do this according to a set of values and priorities that we've inherited or chosen for ourselves, uh, consciously or unconsciously. Whether they are wise or foolish will be revealed as time moves on. But trust me, in the fullness of time, they most definitely will be revealed. A lot of people may think that foundations are invisible, that they don't count, they're not important, what can't be seen doesn't matter. I bet you the people on a Titanic would beg to differ. Now, it may be tomorrow, it may take a lifetime, but eventually, your foundations are revealed and judgment will be made. The Word of God contains many warnings, just like the signs that we see and the labels that we have. Jesus' words are warnings to protect us from moral and spiritual self-destruction. That's what they're there for. We need to recognize the seriousness of Jesus' words. They are to protect us and to provide for our future. The path to life lies in making God's word the foundation of our marriages, our families, our moral values, and our social and our work relationships. To be wise is to prepare for the future, to prepare for storms, to prepare yourself for adversity. To be wise is to care more about integrity than our image, more about our character than our charisma, and more about our principle than our popularity. To be wise is also to acknowledge that we're foolish and to recognize that we need God's wisdom. I've got another verse I'm going to share with you here. My favorite book of the Bible is the book of James. And I would recommend anybody that's new to the Bible, if, if you want to read, the book of James to me is kind of like a, a, a how-to book on being a Christian. Uh, the do's and don'ts. It's a short book. It's a really a good read. And I'd like to share something with you from that book this morning. 
from the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5. Should be up there for you. Uh, this verse right here, in my opinion, offers one of the most incredible promises in the entire Bible. It says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Let's listen to that again. If any of you lacks wisdom, right here, big lacquer in the wisdom department, he should ask God who gives generously, giving generously, he wants to give to you. And to whom does he want to give? To all, everybody. And what's the criteria for that? We just have to ask. And the beauty behind it is he's going to give without fault. We're blameless. We get God's wisdom just by asking for it. That's awesome. What a great gift. God never fails those who trust his word and claim his promises. Now, Jesus divides the world into two parts. You've got the wise builders and the foolish builders. Both of them build houses. The houses built on the sand probably cost as much as the houses that are built on the rock. And I'm sure that they are quite similar in appearance. But we can't be fooled. They're vastly different. The difference lies within the foundation. The wise man realizes that a solid foundation is more important than what's built above it. Does that make sense to everybody? Do we get that? I mean, it's not, about, it's not about the frills and the glitz that we have. It's not about the glamour. It's not about the recognition. It's not about the front that we can put on to show people how Christian we are and how spiritual we are. We can all put on that facade. It's meaningless. It's not about that. It's not about the show. It's not about what's visible. It's about the foundation. It's about our heart. And that's definitely something we need to research and find out where our heart is and where our foundation is. And as I researched this sermon this morning, uh, for the sermon this morning, um, I just started thinking about the message that's delivered on every church every Sunday and how important those messages are. And I started thinking about the message Alex asked me to preach on and started reading about our foundations. I started to think how important this message actually is. Not that any of them are unimportant, but this one specifically. I can't exaggerate the importance of the choices you make in your foundation. And as scripture tells us, and I'll show you why, I can't be serious enough. I, I, I can't explain it far enough. What you build your faith on determines your eternity. That's pretty heavy. The one foundation on rock leads to security. Scripture tells us, when a flood came, a torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. Sin and temptation will pound against you, but seated in Christ, you will not fall. Scripture tells us that. The second choice you have is to build it on sand, on a weak foundation. That foundation leads to destruction. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Again, he's talking about parables. Don't put in your mind that it was a house that's destroyed by water. We've seen the CNN footage where a house gets taken out by water. Remember, it's a parable. God's talking about us. We are his houses. So when you read that scripture, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. <clears throat> Think about that. Complete destruction. Complete destruction. That's vivid. That's truth. Let that hit home. 
what are the foundations upon which you are building your life, your family, your careers, and your reputations? By listening to and putting into practice the words of Jesus Christ, you are building on solid ground. Now, unfortunately, some of you may feel at this point that you've made a mess of your life. I can attest to that. I've made many messes in my life. And perhaps you've already experienced storms that have revealed that your foundation is indeed sand. So what do you do? It's time to rebuild. And you can't call homes on homes for this one. All right? I mean, that guy's, that guy's good, suspenders and all. He's not that good. Rebuild with the word of Jesus Christ as your foundation. And I'm going to share a story with you, again, that I managed to, uh, to find when I was doing some research. And if you think that your life is in a mess and you think maybe you're at a place that you can't recover, I'm going to share this with you. A young Christian comes to his pastor. And he says, Pastor, I need your help. The pastor says, what can I do for you? He said, well, no matter how much I study, no matter how much I pray, no matter how much time I spend in the Word, I cannot keep faithful to my Lord. And I think I'm losing my salvation. And the pastor responds to him. He says, you see this dog? He's my dog. I love this dog to death. This dog is obedient. He's housebroken. He protects me. He's a joy to be around. He loves everybody. I wouldn't give this dog up for the world. Now out in the kitchen, I've got a son. He's a baby boy. This kid spits up all over himself. He throws food. He soils his clothes. Kid's a total wreck. But who is going to inherit my kingdom? My dog? No, my son, because he is my heir. And you are Jesus Christ's heir, each and every one of you, because it's you that he died for. Keep that in mind when you think your life is a wreck. Our house must be built upon the giver of life. And the only solid ground is Jesus Christ. When we make that ultimate discovery and build our lives on him, we become wise. Others will be saved and the Lord will be glorified. Is your foundation solid or is it time to rebuild?